0: Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Built on previous podcasts, we're tackling the ultimate determinants in the movement of stock prices and interest rates, including the record-breaking amounts of debt our government must sell every month and the growing amounts of liquidity the Federal Reserve provides to large banks.
1: The good news is that job creation continues with the official unemployment rate reported this morning close to 3.6%. Even though the job creation in recent months roughly corresponds to the number of new entrants in the labor force, the jury is still out on the tens of millions outside the full-time employment marketplace, which we discussed in our initial podcasts. However, it's pretty clear that those who do have full-time jobs overall are financially healthy with respect to debt management, unlike the precursors for the 10-year-ago financial crisis, which related to excessive mortgage debt and unhealthy lending practices. This time, the precursors for a financial crisis are with public sector debt, with financial duct tape keeping the positive narratives going during a major election year. For our own financial health with jobs and retirement planning of critical importance, let's focus on major issues that could quickly change our incomes and net worth. Optimistically, these issues can be contained by Federal Reserve actions week to week this year, but we should consider that even in an election year, the tools may not be powerful enough to keep interest rates from dramatically rising and support a continuing uptrend in the stock market. Let's start with the 500-plus point rally in the stock market on February 4th. In the prior podcast, we pointed to the relationship between increased financial market liquidity provided to the 24 primary dealers of the Federal Reserve and the stock market itself. What was not in the headlines is a key Federal Reserve action. On February 4th, the Fed added $94 billion to the repo market. For our listeners who wish to delve into this relationship, just continue to follow the large Fed additions to the liquidity of the 24 primary dealers. These are the largest banking groups and follow the spikes up in the stock market. You may say, okay, so what? Here's the so what. Consider that a significant stimulator of recent stock market gains is related to massive additions of newly printed or digitized cash. These large amounts of newly created dollars are necessary to keep interest rates from spiking up, as record amounts of new U.S. federal debt have to be sold each month to roll over our national debt, which is growing at more than $1 trillion a year. These large amounts of new money are also needed to provide required liquidity to our large banks with some of this new money supporting interest rate and stock market derivatives. The derivative commitments are approaching a quadrillion dollars. We can discuss financial derivatives in a future podcast, but there's much to cover before peeling that large onion. For now, let's consider the following. As a result of the last near financial meltdown that rather quickly took 30% off our nation's house prices over two years and over 40% off the Dow Jones Industrial Average over 18 months, the Federal Reserve increased its support to the banking system from about $800 billion to over $4 trillion. The publicized game plan since then has been to reduce the $4 trillion as the economy improves and banks strengthen their balance sheets. The new game plan is not only to not reduce the $4 trillion of bank support, but to increase it significantly and this year. This new support is presently focused on the repo market, which is not one of the historical Federal Reserve intervention or support markets. This new game is a necessity to keep interest rates low while continuing to support the U.S. Treasury issuance of new debt and to refinance the old debt. Some of this vast support bleeds into the stock market and the derivatives markets. The final answer to why should I care is the fact that the Federal Reserve only controls the short-term interest rates, not the long-term interest rates. The long-term interest rates, or long-term bond market, as we pointed out late last year, trades trillions of dollars every business day. No institution is large enough to control a market this size and globally diversified. We should care as we approach the day that global investors in our nation's long-term bonds will become more concerned about our creation of too many dollars and too much debt monetization. The fact that China has not been a purchaser of new U.S. debt for over a year and that the primary dealers need more support in the repo market is a big red flag, in my opinion.
0: So you're saying that to better manage each of our own risks, we shouldn't get caught up in the optimistic economic report and a rising stock market fed by the Federal Reserve, no pun intended. You've said that this being an election year, we can expect a continuation of present policies for the balance of the year, assuming they continue to work. If they don't continue to work, we can expect a rapid up move in interest rates and a rapid down movement in the stock market. So this is all about risk management?
1: Absolutely. Take advantage of the present environment and prepare for the upcoming changes, which will, as last time, have a global financial impact. We do know from the media that we face new and large risks that are politically related and also disease related. We do know that business and economic cycles do exist, and we know that we are in the late stages of these up cycles, so an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Let's shift gears to the economy and what economic indicators are showing. This will be brief as our listeners can Google any of these summaries for more information. Let's start with the Cass Freight Index, that's C-A-S-S. The Cass Freight Index is a powerful early indicator of economic activity changes in the United States. This index, since 1995, provides valuable insight into freight volumes. It includes all domestic freight modes and a broad comprehensive sampling across U.S. industries. It is provided in chart form by the Federal Reserve Bank in the St. Louis District. They have their own website. The index almost dropped in half from 2006 through the official recession back then, but it gave the warning in 2006 well ahead of time. So far, since mid-2018, we've seen a 30% drop in this index, and the drop is picking up momentum. Let's move to gross domestic product, or GDP, which we've argued has been stagnant or declining when price changes are removed. In 2019, the reported real GDP growth was 2.33%, but if you believe your cost of living is going up more than the official 2% a year, then the GDP is close to unchanged, maybe negative. However, accepting the official data for the moment, fourth quarter 2019 GDP increased at only a 2.08% rate and is likely continuing its decline rate this quarter. New private residential construction spending and new construction spending in total declined from 2018, both before and after the government inflation adjustments. Additionally, new orders for durable goods have been declining from 2018. On the plus side, existing home sales are about even with 2018. And finally, government construction did gain 7.1%. Last year, and that reflects large amounts of government spending, which itself relates to the required sale of new government debt. So, this is not a long term healthy economic trend, in my opinion. Globally, Europe is in a non growth mode with Brexit disruptions the remainder of this year and into next. Japan is in its third decade of stagnation with the Bank of Japan buying Japanese stocks. China had its lowest growth rate in two decades, but that's before the coronavirus impacts on its own people and economy. I'll close this podcast with a note on the U.S. stock market. We should keep in mind that the fang, which is Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, and precious few other stocks account for a large part of the stock market up move. Many stocks do not participate day-to-day And there are many new lows in stock prices for many companies each day. Be vigilant. Manage your risks. Check out some of the new trends we've highlighted and continue to monitor.
0: Next time, we're going to review the major concepts of this podcast and how the symptoms of financial crises will always vary, but the outcomes still remain very similar. How do we identify this cycle and reduce risk now? Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcasts. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director, Roger Tornadin, this podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.